0: And welcome to the Arsenal Way, back with you guys for another episode of our press box series, the show in which I'm joined by a few of our colleagues from over at football.london. I'm very happy to be joined today by Chris Wheatley. How doing, Chris? Are you well? Good, Tom. Thanks for having me. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. It's always good after a couple of Arsenal wins to to peak your mood up. Absolutely so. And we're also joined by Kai Kainak. How are you doing, fellow? Are you well?
1: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Another weekend where Arsenal won and Spurs lost, so very good move for me.
0: Yes, yes. Hopefully those Spurs losses continue, although with the news that we're going to be discussing, we'll see if there's a a bounce uh, incoming for them. Fingers crossed that there isn't. But we'll be getting onto that in a little while because I do want to focus on that win over Leicester City to kick things off let's go in reverse order and start with Kaya first kind of just give me a reaction Kaya to to that victory and when we look at kind of the games that we had prior to that there was kind of a a list of six fixtures and the Leicester game the Liverpool game were two highlighted tests if you will in that run and we kind of passed it with flying colors didn't we
1: yeah, Arsenal played very well. They started really fast. I'm surprised that more teams haven't wised up to the fact that Arsenal start really fast. I remember Dean Smith said it last week um, after the Villa game that everyone knows Arsenal start fast in games and then they tend to fade a bit and they did exactly that um, on on Saturday lunchtime and they, they were re-fast, they were really sharp and they looked great from the off. Obviously, that goal from Gabrielle, who was my man of the match on the day, although a lot of people preferred Aaron Ramsdale but for me it was Gabrielle who was man of the match and obviously uh, the goal from Emil Smith-Rowe as well. So, A really good day for Arsenal, defensively really sound up against a lot of pressure from Leicester. And I think if Arsenal had had it as easy as they had it in the first 20 minutes, then we would have been able to give it all the whole sort of usual caveat of, well, Leicester were really poor. But I don't think you can say that on the day. I think on the second half, Leicester showed what a good side they really are. And Arsenal were able to stand up to that, which is a real sign that things are on the up, I think.
0: Yeah, it was kind of a combination of the, the Villa and Brighton games, in a weird way. We had our time where we were really dominant, and then we had the period where the opposition we had to be really kind of stalwart as we were in that Brighton game to, to hold them out. And, and we found that really good balance between the two. Chris, against Spurs, there was kind of an opportunity after the North London derby to build upon that result. And, and Arsenal weren't really able to do that. It was a little bit of a disappointing display against Brighton. And then the Crystal Palace game round, and which now turns out to look like a, an amazing point, uh, was saved by Alexandre Lacazette. After the Villa game, again, that question came up of can Arsenal build on from that victory? And the Leicester game has showed that we can, and now we need to move forward from that. And based upon those two games, do you see Arsenal now building on from this more positively than the North London derby fallout?
2: I think so, yeah. And you've got to give credit to Mikel Arteta as well, who predicted that the project was going to bang eventually. Uh, You can probably say it has started to bang, you know, nine games unbeaten in all competitions. Arsenal's best run since, I think, Unai Emery was in charge in uh, that 2020 period. So uh, I think it's uh, all guns blazing at the moment. Everyone is on form. Um, Even the stand-in, someone like Nuno Tavares has come in um, and done a fantastic job. Um, in the absence of Kieran Tierney. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of promising signs in this team. Um, they're showing consistency, which is very difficult to find in the Premier League, as we all know. Um, so, yeah, I think if anyone deserves credit, it's certainly Mikel Arteta after he got so much criticism um, at the start of the season. And you could say maybe rightly so, but Arsenal were missing lots of players, weren't they, in that those opening free games of mm. the campaign. So I think, Uh, So, so far, the signs are positive, um, but let's not get ahead of ourselves because we've seen unbeaten runs at Arsenal before. um, And this is usually the period where they start to struggle. So let's see how these November fixtures are going to go first
0: and they don't get any easier uh, I know we've got Watford this weekend but after the international break you've got some really interesting fixtures with Liverpool and Manchester United to come so the tests only get harder but Kaya Chris brings up a really interesting point there about the the lack of players available to Mikel Arteta at the start of the season if you think back to those first three games the pressure on Arteta was huge a lot of the fan base was really kind of building up that pressure against I remember when we started the Arsenal way the chat box was perpetuated with, with Arteta out calls um, and I we did a show this morning and there was a few comments saying, really praising Arteta. I say there was more than a few comments, really praising Arteta. And do you think that it is as simple as that? You look back to the start of the season, the Brentford match without any of our senior strikers. Of course, we were still waiting to build that that centre-back pairing. We had not yet brought in Ramsdale and Tommy Tomiyasu to the first team. You go after that Manchester City kind of absolute stinking of a performance and getting those team selections of the class and action at the back three. Is it as simple as saying that now we have more of quality available to Arteta and he's taken advantage of it?
1: It could be looked at that. I, as I think um, in those first three games, obviously Arsenal didn't have the players, but Arteta did make mistakes as well. We've, I think we've spoken about it on here before, actually. yeah, um, we, You know my thoughts on the back three against Manchester City and the decision to include... <laughs> Yeah. Say so, a in that. I think that's one of the most bizarre managerial decisions I've ever seen in my life. Playing Granit Xhaka as a lone defensive midfielder in that game against the most mobile midfield in the Premier League. Strange, to say the least. No surprise that he then went and got sent off. But I think since then, yeah, he seems to have really knuckled down and stuck to his principles, which I think is good to see. Uh, a lot of managers, when things start to get a little bit dicey, they tend to chop and change, just looking for that perfect formula. You see on and Solskjaer doing it in Manchester United. Now they're changing formation every week. Unai Emory when he was towards the end of Arsenal's changing formation every week. Mikel Arteta has been very clear for how he wants his team to play uh, in this period, in this winning run, unbeaten run for Arsenal right now. And yes, obviously, the players coming in have had a huge impact on that. But I think the, the tactics that Arsenal have chosen to go for and the clear way that Arsenal are trying to play is also good. I also think the accountability of a lot of the characters in the dressing room is really important. So we saw after that Palace game, immediately they came out and said, look, that wasn't good enough, we made a mistake, we need to improve. Whereas before, I think lower standards may have been accepted. I saw an interview with Aaron Ramsdale um, after Leicester, where he was talking about the Villa game where he wanted to keep a clean sheet and apparently in the changing room after the game, also just one three one, 3 one everyone's happy. Aaron Ramsdale is having a go at his teammates saying we shouldn't have conceded that last goal. So things like that, just the raising of the standards and not letting little things slip, paying attention to the detail, getting the right characters in, I think have all played a huge part but that shouldn't hide from the fact that Artista did make a lot of mistakes in those first three games, even though he has managed to turn things around
0: now. Absolutely. Always balanced and providing that different area of context to the argument as well. I mean, you bring up Ramsdale there, Kaya. Chris, Kaya did say that Gabriel was his star man of the game. Do you fall along that avenue or are you very much on the Ramsdale hype train right now? Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I think Ramsdale was was the, the best player on the pitch and Kaya, you were sitting next to me. You know how good he was in that game, but no, to be fair, like I think Gabriel had a, a very solid game in defence and he's really, since he's been in at centre-back, since he came back from injury, he's been fantastic. Um, but another word on Ramsdale, like I think everything everything has been said about him, really, hasn't it? Um, we've read all the pieces, we've seen all the pundits talk about him. I really liked his comments about David Seaman um, a couple of days ago where he said that when he gets a text message from him, like, it, it, you know, he's buzzing. Uh, I think that just shows how humble he is, you know, that he's so happy to be um, learning from one of the the legends at the training ground. And for me, I think Ramsdale is a breath of fresh air. Kyle was just talking about the personalities and he's clearly one of the yeah. most engaging uh, and unique personalities at the club. Um, and he's a good guy to have as well. And let's not forget, he's a fantastic goalkeeper. And I remember when I Broke that story that Arsenal were in advanced talks for Aaron Ramsdale. The reaction was probably the most negative reaction I've ever seen yeah. after writing a piece. And I've seen quite a few negative reactions over the past <laughs> few years. But yeah, yeah the, the reaction to that was, you know, surprising to say the least. But I think um, there's a few people who are maybe uh, regretting their words now, to say the least
0: just a few just just a few yeah i i've never quite seen a reaction on someone's social media page that they've had to disable comments i think on his instagram page was yeah it's it does it to be fair. I, I wish it was surprising is what I would say. About it. I wish I was surprised. Um, but unfortunately, I'm not, and it's part of kind of Arsenal fandom that certainly needs to improve uh, and something we should look internally about and, and reflect upon as Arsenal fans. And maybe this Ramsdale situation has woken a few people up to that for sure. Um, let's get a little bit more specific and and talk about kind of the battle at left back, Kai, because. Last season, I remember we touched upon this in the previous show, to think that last season, our, when Tini was injured, our thought process, or Arteta's thought process, was to go to Granite Xhaka as kind of an unorthodox pick. The step-up in option that we have now, and and the, defo- the performances of Nuno Tavares has been astounding. I say astounding, and I genuinely say astounding, because speaking to c- some Benfica fans when he was leaving, they were surprised that he'd kind of got the move to Arsenal. There was a lot of surprise around him earning that. Kind of moved to the, the Premier League and a club the size of Arsenal, so it is astounding to me that he's had these performances. And I think again, he's another player that's really turning a few heads and surprising people.
1: Yeah, he's surprised me. Uh, I I didn't think he'd be as good as he's been in the past two games. I've got to be honest. I saw him, I, I didn't see much of him at Benfica because he didn't play that many games at yeah. Benfica. I think he mm. played less than fifty before he came to Arsenal, so not many at all. And. Um, I saw him a bit in pre-season. I saw him play some early Carabao Cup games. And the thing that I noticed most was he was very raw. Everything he did was 100 miles an hour. I just thought that when it came to the actual crucial moments, such as putting in that final ball, making those defensive correct decisions, that's where he seemed to struggle a bit. But he's really improved and fair play to him. He's, he's risen to the task. And something that seems to be very clear about him and about all these Arsenal signings that have come in this summer is he's got the right character. He's not getting flustered by the fact that he's that big club where he's expected to perform week in week out when he's given the chance he's come in and he said this is my opportunity and I'm going to do the best to take it and I don't think any of us realistically thought that Kevin Tini would have too much problems hanging on to his left back spot mm. in the starting 11 now that's a very different conversation Chris and I does we've he written a piece.
0: that's the question does oh, Tini hold on to that place
1: I sort of don't I don't want to tell people to I don't want to tell people my opinions because they won't read my piece but um, <laughs> Yeah, I I think Tierney just about does hold on. I think they offer different things. So obviously Nuno Tavares is a very aggressive, he's a very powerful runner. So the way he can just stride through the midfield and dribble like that is something I don't think Tierney necessarily can do in the same way. Also, Tavares is very two-footed, so he can go inside rather than just going on the outside every single time. We see Tierney sort of stops it, knocks it past the defender and then goes and whips in the cross. Tavares can come inside, get the shot off on his right foot. So He's a really talented player. He's a very different option from Tierney, even though he provides that same attacking threat. I just think Kieran Tierney, we forget so easily how good he was last season and we shouldn't let recency bias cloud the fact that he is, in my opinion, maybe the second best left back in the Premier League behind Andy Robertson, who himself actually isn't in the best of form right now for Liverpool, I don't think. But yeah, I just just think Kieran Tierney just about holds on. But I think it's a wake-up call for him that the performances he had earlier on in the season weren't up to his own high standards so he knows now he needs to be back on it when he comes back into the team he needs to be on it and he needs to be performing well and that's what we wanted from Luna Tavares' assignment we wanted him to put pressure on Kieran Tierney maybe one day take his place but I don't think anyone realistically expected it to happen this quickly I think it's yeah. been a fantastic signing and more credit for Michael Arteta and Eddie for the business they've done this summer
0: Chris, feel free to obviously throw your opinion on that too, but I do want to add a different angle to it. And I want to try and put yourself in Arteta's shoes and and feel about kind of how he's feeling towards it. He's shown loyalty in in plenty of his players during his tenure at the club. Do you think that his loyalty will skew more towards knowing how good Kieran Tierney has been for him, how consistent he's been for him, how one of his kind of biggest figures in the dressing room he is? Or do you think he will stay loyal to the consistent and quality performances that Tavares has put in in the last two games?
2: No, I think we've seen with Mikel Arteta that he rewards the players based on their form. Um, I think we saw as early with the kind of Meza Ozil situation, if you're not doing enough on the training ground, you're not doing enough in matches, then you're not going to play. And he's followed that through throughout most of his tenure so far. And I think with Tavares, as Kaya just mentioned, um, he's filled in superbly, but... There were a lot of doubts over him. Like I spoke to a few people in the game when he signed. Um, people were kind of questioning whether he'd actually be good enough for Arsenal, which I found quite interesting. And I saw your interview, Tom, with the former Ben Figa youth coach who obviously rates him very highly as well. And I think he's clearly a player with a lot of potential. So, look, I think you need two players uh, for every position at a football club, especially a club like Arsenal. And I think Kieran Tierney, I wouldn't say he he got comfortable. I don't think he's that kind of character. Um, But certainly now he's going to be kept on his toes by uh, Tavares. So I think it's a good sign um, that he's playing well and that Arsenal have two quality left-backs.
0: Yeah, I think it's important that we just kind of try and find that strength in depth in as many positions in the squad as we can, because we, we've seen last season how it can affect you so negatively, in, especially in the latter stages. And we may find in January during that period where we're going to lose some players because of the African Cup of Nations that some areas may need some more attention. And we've got the opportunity, thankfully, to do that immediately with it falling during the January transfer window. Um, Kaya, Lakonga. Another player that just keeps surprising me and another 21-year-old player that just keeps stepping up um, and putting in those performances. And I remember talking, I think it was after the Brighton game, where there was a lot of discussions around after that performance. And although I thought Partey was actually probably the worst of the two during that game in midfield, that... Arteta kind of had a choice there. He could have chosen to go with uh, an Elneny, so a more, say, experienced a Lokonga that's played several Premier League matches. He could have gone with an Ainsley Maitland-Niles in that position. And he kept faith with Lokonga, a young guy that's not got too much experience at the top, top level. But what he has got, seemingly, is grit, determination, and leadership skills, too, from his time at Anderlecht it's really proven to be fruitful for Arteta and the Arsenal team. And I know that you've written about Lukonga in detail and kind of the influence that he's had on the team. Do you think that with, with Partey obviously going away in January to play with the African Cup of Nations and hopefully that timing in pretty perfectly with possibly the return of Granite Xhaka, that Lukonga can fill now that void and we can be less kind of worried about him filling the void of Partey when he departs?
1: Uh, That's a good question. I think Thomas Partey is a fantastic player. I've seen seen him getting a little bit of criticism for his uh, performances recently, just a little bit. Nothing crazy, but just I think Arsenal fans may be expecting to be 10 out of 10 every week, which is impossible, uh, even for someone as good as Thomas Partey to do all the time. But I I personally think he had an okay game on uh, Saturday. But I agree with you. I think Albert Samuel Okonga was the better of the midfield too. I think the difference in what he's done since the Brighton game has been where he's been asked to play. So in that Brighton game, Brighton with their wing backs really targeted that space in behind. It was Tier and Tierney on the day and sort of Maconga tried to do what Xhaka does, which is sort of dropping into that left half space and defending and covering for the back four. But when you do that, what you do is you take away a lot of the midfield options. You take, you leave party on his own in the midfield and you basically say look, you deal with that entire area of the pitch. which is the most important area of the pitch. I think, since that game, Mikel Arteta seems to have learned. Obviously, Lokonga didn't start against Palace, but he has started against Villa and Leicester. And in those games, his I, I, I've not actually seen his heat map from um, the Leicester game, but I would assume it's a lot more central. So mm. him being actually in the middle of the pitch, it might sound obvious, but for a midfielder to play in the middle of the pitch and sort of offer that centrality in the build-up and also the cover defensively for Arsenal when they do go forward is really good. And like you say, he's, he's shown a lot of character. I think after that Palace game, after the Brighton game, he wasn't particularly good in either game and in the Palace game he made an error. Lots of young players would have wilted, performed away. He came back and was straight back at it and had a really good performance against Villa. So I think he's more akin to a direct replacement for Thomas Party. So if you're looking at the African combinations, Nations, I think he's someone who can definitely step in and like you say, potentially with Granite Xhaka being back by that time, I think that could be a really good midfield double pivot for Arsenal. But mm. he's shown he's got plenty of other strings to his bow and if you ask him to play the kind of game that suits him, then he's shown he can be a really, really good player and another really, really good signing for Arsenal this summer.
0: It's one of the things I like looking at on Wisecout after games is kind of the the passing combination tallies that you get in fixtures and Laconga actually features in three of the five highest passing combinations. He had 11 with Nuno Tavares, 11 with Emil Smith-Rowe and 10 with Thomas Partey, um, which just shows how kind of influential he's really being in that midfield and the confidence that it takes for a 21-year-old to say, give me the ball, let me play my game and move from there. I am conscious of the time I do want to move the conversation on kind of the last topic I wanted to talk about Chris around the Aston Villa game. Is is kind of the settled system that Arteta seems to have found in this. Unorthodox four-four-two slash four-two-three-one style, with it being very much dictated by where Lacazette fits and and sits in this formation. Do you think this is something that he will build upon to continue to use in the long term, or do you think like we've seen with previous in kind of incantations of his formations, it'll be he'll use it until other teams work it out, or there starts to be struggles and then shift again.
2: Yeah, I mean, first I thought you were going to ask me about uh, Conte to Spurs. Then I was just getting prepared <laughs> um, mentally there. For it's coming. Don't worry, it's coming. Good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> I hope we still have time to to make fun of Spurs. Um, yeah, look, I think probably the latter um, in response to your question there. I think Mikel Arteta will adapt the formation on on the opposition, but at the same time, like I think Kai has mentioned already about being fa- found out. There were times where I think everyone knew what Arsenal's tactic was. It was the uh, the Kieran Tierney uh, across the ball. And was it Inshallah tactic, Kaya? I can see the smile on your face there. Yeah, that was the one. Um, And I think that's obviously changed now, hasn't it? As Tierney's not even in the team anymore. And, you know, Arsenal are actually... I'm actually starting to enjoy watching the team uh, a lot more than I was a few weeks ago um, and towards the end of last season. I think the team are a lot more exciting to watch. They're a lot more fluid on the attack. Uh, I think the players are clearly enjoying playing their football as well. And I think at points last season, there were quite a few players on the pitch who weren't enjoying playing um, under that system and under Mikel Arteta. And I think it's just taken some time. It's taken a few tweaks to to get the kind of system that he wants. Uh, He did say that he was going to, uh, revert to a 4 free free formation and I think in December he said he's five or six players away from a 4 free free. Yeah. he signed those six players um, the formation may be not exactly a 4 free free, but I think Arsenal right now are on the right track and there's a lot of promising signs um, that that formation is going to work so yeah um, I think it's uh, positive signs at the moment
0: absolutely Right. The time has come. And uh, Chris, because I know you're very excited, I'm going to revert straight back to you for this one. Um, Reports emerging that Antonio Conte is edging towards uh, an appointment at Tottenham Hotspur. But that does obviously come after the news that Nuno Espirito Santo was sacked uh, after just 10 Premier League games. What was your reaction to the sacking and what are your thoughts about the prospective appointment of Conte?
2: Well, I mean, I don't want to go as far as saying Spurs are a laughing stock, but I think right now you could probably say they are a bit of a laughing stock. I think over the summer that managerial merry-go-round with Conte and the sporting director and you know, it was a it was a it was a joke, you know, what happened. I think Arsenal after the Few months that we've had, um, the supporters have had as well. It's been it's been a tough couple of years. I think it's it's nice to be able to look at your rivals and see that maybe they're not as stable as everyone thought they were. I think Daniel Levy he gets a lot of credit for being an excellent, astute businessman, but maybe in terms of football sense, in terms of what he does, um, in terms of making them a challenging team for titles, I'm not quite sure he's there. Um, and yeah, I think Kai can take over. Kai will be able to. Um maybe land the hammer blow now.
1: Well, listen, guys, I'm I'm not I'm not great at geography, um, but someone I I've sort of lost track. Does anyone able to tell me where exactly Tottenham get battered? Because I just seem to have lost uh, track. I've heard it was everywhere that they go under Nuno Tavares. It also but, and seems Nuno's to be even at home at as
0: well, which yeah,
1: is great. <laughs> literally everywhere they go, every time they leave the house. So I think yeah, they were they were poor under Nuno. I think it was it was clear that he was Not the first choice. And I think the players knew that. They took advantage of that. Um, They were one of the most shot-shy teams in the Premier League, which is bizarre when you think of the attacking talent they've got. And their XG was really low. So even when they were manager of the month in August, top of the league at the end of those first three games, it was really a a false position. Obviously, it's easy to say that in hindsight, but it didn't seem like um, the real deal, I, I didn't think, when they were winning those first three games. They beat Man City. They got very lucky in that first game. And uh, I think since then it's, it's really borne out in the stats in the performances that I don't think they've made correct decisions a lot of the time. And I think if you look at the the transfer business Spurs did, you can easily compare it to Arsenal because look at the right back. Arsenal and Spurs both linked to Emerson Royale, both linked to Takira Tomiyasu. Arsenal went and got Tomiyasu because he fit the system. Spurs went for the more glamorous name in Emerson Royale. So I think it's proved that... Um, it does take a lot of thought and insight, and I guess process, to make those correct decisions. Um, and Spurs haven't managed it. I think they were wrong to San Mauricio Pochettino. I think they were foolish to then go and give that level of money that they should have given to Pochettino to Mourinho, and then after him, Nuno. And now they're 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 paying for those mistakes, and they haven't got that much money to pay for those mistakes with because they've just moved into the stadium, the new mm-hmm. stadium. And because they're not in elite European competition anymore, so it's, it's really actually dark time for Spurs, and I don't want to stick the boot in too much because you should, no, we'll do. Yes, uh, do. yes we do. Yes ah, we do. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, we do, yeah, we do. All right, I was gonna try and be nice, but I suppose there's no Spurs fans watching, so yes, it's
0: very, very nice. That's, that's um, nice to Go on, Chris. Yeah. I was
2: just gonna I was just gonna add to that and say, I mean, similar to Arsenal, maybe towards the back end of last season um, or in January with the, the Meza Ozil situation. I think the Deli Ali situation is very similar to that. You know, he's a player yeah. who, you know, has a bit of an attitude issue, I think, at Spurs. You've also got Harry Kane who wanted to leave the club in the summer. So clearly, there, there's so many, there's a lot of problems at the club. And it does remind me of Arsenal maybe a couple of years ago, you know, with players wanting to leave as well. So yeah, uh, good luck to them. I don't Arsenal winning oh, trophies a couple of years ago
0: yes in the most satirical way possible um we we are running out of time very swiftly and i didn't want this to be a show in which we completely ignored the chat box and it's been a lot that we've got to talk about so i do want to kind of throw in some comments from you guys that are watching if you are enjoying the show please do make sure you drop a like uh, and of course subscribe to the Arsenal if you haven't done so already uh, Kemi says uh, it's okay with us because we are an Arsenal uh, team and we've got to back our manager but would take top five or trophy as success for Arsenal this season I disagrees though in my honest opinion I think we are missing out again on a proven manager last couple of times it did not serve us well thinking back to those Klopp and Guardiola opportunities that maybe we missed hopefully for our club is not making another mistake uh, Chris pointing out that that Edu is beating Levy right now. Levy, of course, has sacked two managers during Mikel Arteta's tenure, rather interestingly. And we've seen the likes of Frank Lampard move on and Oli Gunnar Solskjaer could very soon be next. So we'll see how many more do leave their clubs while Arteta Remains in charge. Uh, Chris also adds that he thinks that it was dumb of Spurs not to take the money for Harry Kane when they had the opportunity to. Jonathan saying, "How do I feel about Conte to Spurs? Quite like I felt about Ancelotti going to Everton, which I think pretty much sums up where Spurs are in the minds of people right now." (laughs) Um, Stephen saying, "Conte picked up what Jose messed up and went on to win the league when he was, of course, at Chelsea. Conte spent 200 million in the following year on Murata, Bacheu, Drinkwater, Bakayoko, and then he was out the doors." Spurs are a proper banter club, which is quite a nice way, I think, to end today's show. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. We've really enjoyed entertaining you with all the insight this afternoon. Kaya, thank you so much, as always, mate.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. No
0: problem at all. Tell where they can find you and what you've got on with the article-wise.
1: Yeah, um, some stuff on Aubameyang coming today, some stuff on uh, Smith-Rowe coming later in the week, and some stuff on the Arsenal assistant manager, he of the airport Albert Steudenberg, who I think, um, I'm hoping you guys will really like that article. And yeah, that'll be on my Twitter, at Kikana97, which is scrolling on the bottom of the page there, and of course on my Facebook and Facebook.com on website.
0: Brilliant stuff. And Chris, thank you ever so much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Tell people where they can find you and what you've got coming up to.
2: Uh, yeah, just type my name in on the social media platforms. I think it will come up on there. Um, in terms of stuff, I've a couple of interviews coming up in, uh, in the next couple of weeks, um, and just done a piece poking fun at Spurs. So I get back to the proper yeah. stuff um, today
0: lovely stuff you can find ourselves at the arsenal way n5 and myself at tom canton media on twitter make sure you're following all the content from the boys over at football.london and we'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 30 for the next arsenal agenda show have a fantastic evening continue laughing at spurs and keep following us down the arsenal way